we're going to get into uh, the third week of our series on being unstuck. Last week, who enjoyed Dr. Jeff Wilson? How amazing was his story? And I, uh, my window of tolerance has grown just over the last week. I've found myself thinking about that, the, what he preached about. Who's found himself going, oh, this is good for me. I'm getting, my window of tolerance is getting bigger. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's podcast uh, with the Polar Explorer. It was amazing. And so today I want to talk about getting unstuck, getting unstuck. It's possible for every one of us to go through seasons, to go through uh, difficult times and disappointments or setbacks and to leave us stuck in our life. And if you, you even hearing Jill's story this morning, there are, there are things that happen to us that are no fault of our own, but they can put us in a position. They can put us in a way of thinking. They can put us in an outlook on life or on God. And we can, although time is moving on and although we find ourselves in a bit of a survival mode and maybe going through the motions, if we're honest with ourselves, we're actually stuck in our heart and we're stuck in progress with God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to continue uh, what I began a couple of weeks ago when I be, uh, talked about Moses. Maybe this morning you're stuck in some bad habits. Maybe this morning you're stuck with a, an addiction. Maybe you're stuck in small thinking. Maybe you're stuck in negativity. Maybe stuck in being critical of others. Maybe, maybe you're stuck with some kind of mental health challenge of depression or anxiety. Maybe you're stuck in isolation. Maybe you're stuck in just an inward focus on me and myself and pleasure. Uh, maybe that sense of making no progress resonates with you or you're going through the motions. Last, two weeks ago, we talked about Moses being stuck in three different components of his life or seasons in his life and the kind of questions that we need to ask ourselves when we find ourselves stuck, what's God said, who's, who's speaking into our life and in, in those kind of situations. And Today, I want to, I guess, uh, do the, the second part of that with Moses. And so let me just, for those of you who, who maybe are new to church or haven't heard the story of Moses, let me just quickly recap with you about Moses. He, he's the one that the story of the Prince of Egypt was, uh, was, is written about and musicals and all sorts of different things. And Moses was um, born when the Israelites, God people, God's people, were slaves. And they were, for about 360 or so years when he was born, uh, had been slaves to to the Egyptians, and there was they, they grew a, a mighty army of them. They say about three million of them uh, at that particular time, and they were they were oppressed, they were worn down, and they couldn't escape. And so God. Um, when Moses was born, there was this great sense of destiny that he would be used to deliver those, those children of Israel out of slavery into God's promised land that God had promised to their forefathers. And so he came along, and as a baby, uh, he was rescued. He was set aside to save his life, but he was rescued, and he actually grew up for 40 years in the Pharaoh's palace uh, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and he grew up in that setting and he was prepared, he was given the greatest training that you could receive in, in military, in education, in speech, in culture and he was a powerful man and then at the age of 40 the Bible says uh, that that sense of destiny inside of him was so strong that he neglected, he, he said I'm not going to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of this life and of the palace that I was born in, I'm going to go and fulfill my destiny so he goes 
supposed to fulfill his destiny, only to be involved in killing an Egyptian who's oppressing an Israelite, and only to, to realize that in his own strength he cannot deliver the Egyptians, and he flees, having failed, and gets run out of that, that whole area uh, into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he, he becomes a shepherd. And for 40 years, this sense of destiny that he's been born with, that's on the inside of him, that he's been raised with, is eroded out of him until he gets to a place where we would imagine that he's not got any sense of destiny or hope or call left on the inside of him. He's in the wilderness. And that's where I want to pick up the story. Because maybe today you can relate in some capacity of what it is to be in a wilderness in your life or in my life. And I know in different seasons of my life, I've lost traction with my purpose. I've lost a sense of momentum of what I felt like I was created for. And if you hang around church here and if you listen to us talk a little, you'll, you'll hear and understand that every one of us have a purpose created by God with a call from Him that is significant. It's not just to be successful, it's to be significant. And we spent five weeks talking about how we unpack that calling and so three things I want us to identify about Moses in this moment. Maybe you can relate. But the first is when he was in the wilderness and he was stuck, he lost his sense of call and destiny. He lost his connection to the bigger picture of his life. He was going through the motions. It wasn't a fact that he wasn't busy. He was busy. It wasn't that he didn't have a job. He had a job wasn't that he didn't have a family. He had a family. He even had a priest. His father-in-law was his priest. Complicated relationship, I would imagine. But nevertheless, his, his father-in-law was his priest. So he, he, he kind of he had a pastor, he had a family, he had a job, but he was in the wilderness. And it's quite possible for all of us to actually go, well, my life's busy. And actually, sometimes we can get so busy that the busyness itself distracts us from the sense of purpose and call that God's created us for. And it's hard to even take a step back and get unstuck because we're on the treadmill of life. We're just going through, we're going through the motions. We're paying off the mortgage. We're, we're going through the school fees vibe. We're, we're working it. We're doing our stuff. And we can, we can be busy, but we're not actually living with eternity in mind or our destiny in mind. That's why uh, Solomon says it's, it's actually better to go to funerals than to parties because it gives us perspective of the whole of life and how, and how we need to live with the end in mind. And Moses had lost the sense of the end in mind. He'd lost the sense of that innate sense of destiny that he was born with that was on the inside of him. And I would suggest to every one of us today that there is an innate, inbuilt sense of identity and purpose that God's created us with. You've got it. It might have been buried through bad, difficult circumstances. It might have, it might, you might have tried to do something in your own strength and it failed and therefore that sense of destiny is gone. But I want to tell you today that there is a divine sense of call and purpose for your life and my life. And God wants to get us unstuck from going through the motions. He wants to get us moving. I want, you, I want you to know that, that in the journey to your destiny and call, failure is quite normal. It, it's, 
taking risks and them not working is, is a mindset that we need to create that we fail forward. We don't just, oh, I tried that, it didn't work, and now I'm going to retreat back into my shell, and, and that's it. I'm just going to, again, go through the motions. But failure is, is one way. I think Edison, they say, took about a, a, thousands of times to create the light bulb, but every time it didn't work, every, every moment he's like, well, that's, I've just worked out another way that it doesn't work. I want, to, I want to encourage you, if you feel like, well, I'm stuck because what I've tried hasn't worked, just get something fresh on the inside. And this is the joy and the, the beauty of the presence of God. God downloads perseverance to us when we're in His presence. He, he encourages us. That's part of my job as a pastor, is to put some courage in you today that just because you've failed once, twice, or a thousand times doesn't mean you're done. You can keep going and keep moving forward. So the first thing of being stuck was Moses. He's, he lost his sense of call, destiny, and identity. The second is this, that he, he lost his confidence. Hmm. He lost his confidence. I believe that one of the things the devil wants to do more than anything else to you as a believer, if you're a Christian today, he wants to rob you of your confidence. He wants to rob you of faith. And sometimes it's easy to have faith in God but lose faith in yourself. And both of those things are very important. And we can easily get in a Christian religious kind of mindset that says, well, I shouldn't be confident. It's, it's all God. And I, I, the, the journey of the synthesis of boldness and humility is the journey of a lifetime of working out when to be bold and how humility interplays with that. But the Bible tells us that God doesn't want us to lose our confidence. He doesn't want us to be those who shrink back. He wants us to be those who move forward. And Moses lost his confidence to the point when he has an encounter with Jesus, which I'm going to get to in a moment. He has an encounter with Jesus and God, he actually says, I can't even do what you called me to do because I can't speak. And we find that in Hebrews, it, tell, uh, it tells us, in Acts, it tells us, referring to Moses' early days, is that he was powerful in speech and action. So somehow wandering in the wilderness... Losing his sense of identity and his sense of destiny, he's now lost his confidence and he's lost his voice. He's lost his ability to speak, even though it's deep, it's inside of him, but he's, got, he's lost his ability to speak. One of the ways that you get your confidence back is you start to find your voice. You start to begin to make some declarations about who God's called you to be, who God's called me to be. And I share this story for me when I became the pastor of this church. My confidence was overwhelmed by the weight of being a leader and, and feeling inadequate and feeling insecure. And the way that I got my confidence back wasn't just by looking in the mirror and going, Oh, you're a handsome guy. You're awesome. The way I got my confidence back was to begin to get God's Word in my mouth and personalize it. This is who I am. This is who God has created me. I'm, I'm still talking about me, but I'm not, talking, I'm not trying to hype myself up. I'm just trying to program my mind through what God said about me through the Word of God. Now, as a church, next year, we're going to go into we go, our theme for the year. I'll just let you know what we're going to do 2021. It's called Deeper in the Word. 
We're going to have memory verses every week that are going to be downloadable for phones and little cards that are downloadable for people, and I'm letting it out a little early. But, but really the emphasis is this, is I get my confidence back when the Word of God is in my heart and it's in my mouth and I'm speaking who I am. And if the devil's trying to rob your confidence because you made some mistakes, because you, you blew it, then I want to tell you today that God wipes away your past, that Jesus cleanses you from every mistake, and you're, you're able to be righteous in Christ. You're able to move forward. He's lost his confidence. The third thing is he's isolated. Hmm. He's lost his sense. This is, this is what, here's some things that get us stuck. We get, we lose that sense of identity, calling. We lose our confidence, we just think, oh, I couldn't do that. We, 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 not, we don't think for a moment about pushing ourselves forward because we've lost our confidence. We need God to come and visit us. And so often we're, we're isolated. I, I'm thinking of, of our crew, particularly in Melbourne right now, and the, the, the retraction of your soul that happens through isolation. I believe that, that although, and even for introverts, Spending some time in, alone and isolated, and maybe at the beginning of lockdown, I know some people are like this is not too bad. This is actually good. It's keeping people away from me. I've got some space. I'm not sitting beside anybody at church anymore. No one's allowed to hug me. Hey, this is this is not a bad thing. This, let's can we just keep this whole vibe going? In fact, I know in a, in America there's some churches and they have a band, a, a red band, and a, whatever color the bands are. But one, if, if you've got the let's say it's the black band, that means you can hug me. If I've got the yellow black band, you can't hug me. It's like a pre-selected way of keeping safe at church. Who thinks that would be a good idea? We've got some some anti-huggers in the house who are like, yes, give me the yellow band. Leave me alone. All right. And so there's this sense of, oh, this is not too bad. We're, I'm getting a little bit of alone time. I'm getting some home projects done or whatever it is. But here's the problem. As your soul retracts through isolation, because you, 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 you need people. We need people. We, we need relationships. Relationships help, help. It's not just our relationship with God that helps us know who we are. It's our relationship with others that helps us find our identity, helps us find. The Lord said to Adam when he created him, and God hung out with him every day, it's not good that you're alone. And he had God. I mean, God on his own is not enough. We need others. And he says, it's not good that you're alone. I'm going to make you a helper. I'm going to make you Eve. And, and so God created Eve. And in that moment when Adam first saw Eve, he's going, whoa, man. It's actually got a name, woman. Just, okay, sorry, just, just to keep going. All right, just thank you so much. I've got some fans of the dad jokes. This is awesome. Okay, so in that moment, like it's, that isolation is not good for you. And, you know, I don't, if, you've ever, if you've ever broken a leg or you've ever had a broken arm or something and you've, it, you've had a splint put on and you haven't been able to use it, and for that, when, when it comes off, I don't, I've, I've seen uh, our boys have had knee, um, knee surgery a few times, and it's like when the knee brace finally comes off, we've got chicken leg and big leg. Because one's strong and muscular and the other's shrunk because it hasn't been used. And our soul can be like that. I've, I've stopped relating to people. I've lost, I've lost my capacity. I remember as we came out of, out of the restrictions here on the Sunshine Coast, it's like, oh, that was a half-hour conversation. Whew, that was big. 
my soul has retracted. Does that mean that, that it's good for me? No, it just means I've got I've to stretch out again. I've got I've to get around people again. I, I've got to get out of isolation because if I'm just walking around in the wilderness with some sheep and a staff talking to myself, how many know that's not the way you're going to fulfill the call of God on your life? It's going to cause you to shrink in your thinking and in your own identity of yourself. You need to be around people. You need to be in a connect group. You need to be around friends. You need to be around others because as you hang out with others, you get that sense of identity and purpose. That's why the devil tries and fights very hard to isolate you. Offense will be one of the biggest things. Busyness will be another of the biggest things. Or just even the idea of self-protection. But actually, that self-protection is not good for you. I know it's an easy lie to move into, to think like this. Well, I've just got to protect my emotion. I don't have that much emotional capacity, so I'm going to protect my emotional capacity by not being around with people. But in actual fact, that shrinks me. Yes, we need time alone. I get that. Yes, we need time with God. But we need to continue to not be restricted. Am I helping anyone this morning? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, so what's the solution? Apart from hitting at each of those specific things, what shifted Moses from being stuck to being unstuck? What was it? He had an encounter with Jesus. He had, he had an encounter with Jesus. The, the, when I think about this whole topic of being unstuck and being able to go, okay, here's some practical things we can talk about. The, the greatest thing that's going to shift you out of being stuck is an encounter with Jesus. The greatest thing that's going to move us out of, out of the wilderness is an encounter where we hear God speak to us and God reach in and call us back to that, the core thing that we're called for. It's, the, it's God. So for me, next week, I just let me encourage you, next Sunday what we're going to do, it, we're going to have a fresh encounter Sunday. We're gonna, it's, a, it's our night of power on the Sunday night, but I just like to call it a day of power. Uh, we've got baptisms. Hey, we're finally baptizing again. We're doing it next Sunday night. If you want to get baptized here on the coast, come along. It's going to be awesome. We're going to work out a way to baptize people in Melbourne, and uh, we're going to work out a way to baptize people who are online somewhere. Not quite sure. Stay with us. We will innovate. But we're going to have encounters with God. All right. This is, and this is the emphasis because... That's the greatest way. Let me read to you out of, this, out of the story where Moses had his encounter, and, and Acts chapter 2 refers to it. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Sorry, I'm in Acts. Let me go to Hebrews. Let, let me go to the other verse in Acts. Got too far ahead of myself. Acts chapter 7. There we go. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, in a flame of fire, in a bush, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. An angel, the angel of the Lord, it says. So this is not an angel. The angel of the Lord is Jesus in his pre-incarnate form. So Jesus comes to Moses in a flame of fire. When you read in the Bible about a flame of fire, there are two types of um, symbols that symbolize the, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. One is a cloud, 
and the other is fire. So sometimes the Bible says there's a cloud filled the temple. And other times it's like the tongues of fire came from heaven. It's the glory of God. It's in fire that we meet with Jesus. And this is, this is why uh, sometimes people go, can you be a little less excited in church? Can we dial it down a little? Can we be a little quieter? Can we be a little reflective? And I, loud does not equal fire. But passion equals fire. And I want to create for us together where there's a sense of the fire of God. In fact, I'm going to get the musicians to come up so that the last five minutes we can just create an atmosphere together of the fire of God. I want to create an atmosphere where you and I stir ourselves up to meet with God. We stir, the Bible says, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. That, that means that's, it's up to you and I to get in fire. It's not on fire. It's not to other people. Now, I want us to create an atmosphere where we can get in fire. But when, when the fire of God comes, then this is what happens. People have encounters with Jesus. People hear Jesus speak to them. We meet with him. So this is what happened. He, he saw this fire. Then he, he drew aside. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near... To observe the voice of the Lord came to him. He drew near. This is, this is pivotal. Because it's possible for two people to be in the same service, whether you're online in our service or whether you're in the room. It's possible for two people to be in the same service where there's fire. And one person to turn aside, as Moses did, and move towards God. And another person to go, well, almost done. Tick my religious duty for the week. I'm done. And I, I, came, I, I came to church, but I didn't engage with God. And I want to be a pastor of a church. And this is what I love about our church, that people know how to come and worship and engage hearts. And just like James says, if we draw near to God, then he'll draw near to us. We're not just waiting for God to draw near. We're, we're drawing near to him. And then out of, out of this passage, how are we going? All right, we're running out of time. Out of this passage, he comes and he says, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their groaning have come down to deliver them. Now I come and I'll send you to Egypt. Moses is stuck. The people of Israel are stuck. These guys' future is dependent on him getting unstuck. They need someone to come and represent them and lead them forward. Moses is over there. The way that God helps him get out of his funk, it says, buddy, it's not about you. You might feel inadequate. You might have lost your confidence. But I need you to get back in the game because there's a whole stack of people waiting on you to get out of the wilderness and move forward. I, wanna, I want somebody here to know today that on the other side of you having a fresh encounter with God and hearing direct from God about your call and your purpose and what He wants you to do, if you land that in the sense of this is God's dream for my life, and usually this is the way you know it's God's dream, it's, it's about helping other people. On the other side of your obedience is somebody being discipled a little bit better. On the other side of your obedience is someone feeling cared for now. On the other side of your obedience is someone who doesn't know God, they're meeting God. 
on the other side of it. Can we stand to, to our feet wherever you are right now? I want you at home to stand. I want us together to just turn aside and draw near to God. Lift your hands to God. Especially if you feel stuck. Especially if you, you feel like you're in a wilderness. Just lift your hands high to God. Reach out to Him. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I want to meet with you today. We want fresh encounters with you, Jesus. Listen to the voice of heaven. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. There is power in the name of Jesus. Sing that. There. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, all right, wherever you're standing, whether you're standing at home, whether you're standing in this room right now, if you're like, I feel stuck and I've lost that sense of my call and identity and destiny. It's, I, I know I had it, but I don't have it or I've never really found it. I've never really got that sense of call and I know I need to step into it. I want you to just take one step forward wherever you are right now. It's just a, a prophetic moment. Take one step forward and say, I'm stepping into the call of God for my life. I'm stepping back into the call of God. Just right now, take a step. Take a step. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in hearts right now. What you're doing in hearts right now. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. See, Alex, right down the back there, Alex, just lift your hands to God, would you? Lift your hands to God. I want you to know today that the spotlight of heaven is upon you. I do see this, this uh, like a tug of war going on inside of your soul over your calling and over your destiny. I, I see this, this sense, uh, a little bit of confusion actually about where God's calling you to, do, to, to move into in terms of calling and destiny. And today, I want to just break that confusion off your life in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I break off every lie, everything that calls you, says you're disqualified and everything that's wanting to pull you away from the, from the call of God on your life. And I declare today that as you, you're going to need to take some steps of faith. 
You need to get, you're going to need to step out into something that it doesn't look like it's going to work for you because it wasn't worked out before you took the step. But that, and then as you take the step, you, it's like there, there's a pathway already there for you to walk on, but you've got to, you've got to take a step. It's like when they walked across the Red Sea and uh, uh, across the Jordan, I'm sorry, and the priests walked in with the presence of God. And it wasn't until they walked in, but at that moment, a pathway was made clear. There's a, that's, that's for you today. Father, I thank you for healing in this room today, healing in every room online right now. If you need God's healing power, lift your hands to heaven. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you're breaking the curse of sickness off people's life. You're breaking infirmity off people today. And I pray right now, healing flows in Jesus' name. Healing flows in Jesus' name. Just as we sing it, there's power. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you. For those of you who are online right now, I'm going to release you back to Pastor Teresa, uh, back to Dan and Ebony for our Melbourneites. God bless you. We love you. Uh, Have a fantastic day.